welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! We are now addressed by the living Lord through his living word. O Lord God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, sign forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, to give him rest from days of trouble, until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here in these spaces, and Lord, we would seek to hear from you. Give us, Father, your spirit of illumination that we would know the very breath of God in our lives as we hear your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are crucified and resurrected, and therefore greet us in grace. And on this Palm Sunday in particular, we worship you as king. We pray, Jesus, be king over our world. In your name and for your sake, amen. So we are concluding now, this is the last Sunday of our Lenten sermon series about specifically this year, racism and systemic racial injustice in our country. I've really enjoyed going through the sermon series and it's worth asking the question, so what have you learned on this journey? What have we learned together? And for me, the sorts of changes that I've been experiencing have been profound, and here's one of them. A small step, but a good step there are and should be more. So for me, last Sunday afternoon after church, I was sitting around thinking that I should put another book in my queue, so I fired up on my Kindle. I ordered a book called The Yellow House 
which is a historical memoir by an author named Sarah Broom. And what the Yellow House is, is it focuses on the titular Yellow House in a section of New Orleans called East New Orleans, and a story of a multi-generational family, African-American family, a story of an entire section of the city, and city is told through the lens, the prism of this house, not only about the family, but about generational citywide decay and issues related to racism and systemic injustice. And I realized that if it were a few years ago, I might not have picked up that book to read. I understand now that among other things, I need to expand those that I read, those that I listen to, but I would have resisted for another reason as well. Let me tell you the back of the book here, The Yellow House. It goes like this. Here's a summary. In 1961, Sarah Broom's mother, Ivory May, bought a shotgun house in the then-promising neighborhood of New Orleans East and built her world inside of it. It was the height of the space race, and the neighborhood was home to a major NASA plant. The post-war optimism seemed assured. But years later, the yellow house would become home to the author, Ivory May's 13th and most unruly child, just in time for their neighborhood to decay around them. A book of great ambition, Sarah Broom's The Yellow House tells a hundred years of her family and their relationship to a home in a neglected area and, and in a neglected area of one of America's most mythologized cities. They would have resisted reading a book like this for this specific reason. It's about a house and a family set in New Orleans East. That's also where I'm from. And there are some specific parallels here. The author's mother moved into New Orleans East and into the Yellow House in 1961. This was before I was born, but it was the exact same year that my parents moved into New Orleans East. And relatives of the author here for the Yellow House, her male relatives, many of them worked at the NASA plant that had just opened in New Orleans East. It was the height of the space race at that time. My dad did too. They were in janitorial services. My dad was a rocket scientist. But then as the space race petered out in the 1970s, my family decided to move to the suburbs. I was born to that at that point, and then so in the early 1980s, we moved out. And for me and my family, I always thought of New Orleans East as a place of upward mobility and a capturing of the American dream. But when I was thinking about buying the Yellow House, I went back and checked the address of the actual yellow house. It was on Wilson Avenue in New Orleans East. I lived only a couple minutes away. Worlds away on one hand, but on the other hand, just a couple minutes away from the yellow house I lived before my parents moved out. And I would have resisted reading a book like The Yellow House because I would have thought to myself, is this just a hit job? Is it a takedown on everything that my dad accomplished in his life? I talked about my dad at the beginning of the sermon series as somebody that, that I, is my hero because he accomplished so much in his life. Is this a takedown? But as I've journeyed through this season of Lent, I realize that a book like The Yellow House, no, it's not a takedown. It doesn't detract from anything that my family did that my dad accomplished. But at the same time, there is more to the story. There is more for me to grow. There are more things that I can and should lament. And here as we finish up 
this Lenten season of reflection and repentance, specifically this time around, about racism and systemic injustice, let's not leave Lent here. We're going to be asking people at Liberty Collingswood to take a step of consecration this Monday, Thursday, related to these things. Don't treat that as a final project to say, okay, now we're done. Don't have to worry about it anymore. But frankly, flip side of the coin, there's part of me that says, at least for a while, I want to be done talking and thinking about these things because they've been so heavy. And this Lenten season, because the subjects are so heavy and our environment is so incredibly politically charged, these have been some of the hardest sermons that I've ever written. And I just want to break. But in that same breath, and I've said this on the podcast too, I understand that my saying, I want to break from talking about these things, itself betokens some privilege because as a majority culture person, as a majority culture Christian, I have the freedom to engage and disengage from these conversations whenever I want. But then on the other hand, minority brothers and sisters don't have that luxury because of the color of their skin. But I understand too, if you're a minority culture person, you may want to disengage from the conversation for a related reason to the inequalities of this conversation. Maybe you're just burnt out. I haven't heard specifically here at Liberty Collingswood this season, but as I read and listen, I understand that it's fairly common to be the case that if you're a person of color and you're invited into these conversations, you're already exhausted, you're already angry, you're already pretty burnt out, but you tape a, take a deep breath, you come back to the table and say, okay, I will talk about these deep feelings of pain and shame and anger again, you work at it, you build up some trust, but then maybe something happens. And there's a turn at that table, in that conversation, a chill. Something happens. You feel like you get shut down. And so you say, never again. I don't want to talk about these things anymore. But we can think of it this way. And Christians will say that Christmas really is year-round. How about Lent too? It's a liturgical season here in the church around the world and throughout the ages, but let's allow Lent to linger this year as we continue to ponder, as we continue to change, as we continue to try to go, grow. So two parts from here for the rest of the sermon. Let's talk about lingering and lament about racism and systemic injustice once more, and then also where lament leads. And I understand that when we have these conversations, where, as we linger and lament here, we can be filled with either resentment on one hand or resignation on the other hand. Whether you're a majority person or a minority person, these conversations can be difficult. Maybe we feel things like apathy. Maybe we feel things like, I'm just done, I don't want to talk about it anymore, defeatism. Maybe we feel anger. Maybe we feel the polarization coming upon us once again. So many different things that we're feeling and if we're feeling those things, let's fall back once again to lament and treat it as a renewable resource. Even when we feel like we're angry and we're done and we don't have anything more to give, let's ask for the Holy Spirit at least to lament. God, give us that grace. And one of our conversation partners throughout this Lenten season was a book by a man named Mark Rogup, Weep With Me, How Lament Opens a Door to Racial Reconciliation in the Churches. And Rogup takes psalms 
through a certain step-by-step -step process saying there are four main components, and we're going to talk about those four main components of lament one more time through Psalm 94. Let's keep lamenting, and lament involves things like turning to God, complaining, and asking, and trusting. Turning to God, complaining, asking, and trusting. Let's turn to God. Beginning of the psalm. O Lord God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, sign forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. The psalmist here in this psalm, the ancient hymn book of the Israelites, the Psalter, is turning to God. That's in all of our bitterness and sorrow, the place where we should turn. And we see here that we specifically are turning in Psalm 94 to a God of vengeance. Also at the end of the psalm, verse 23, he will bring back on them, the wicked, their iniquity, and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. And I, I get that certain aspects of secular culture will simply say, yeah, we're going to cancel that. We don't want anything about a God of vengeance anymore. Although I would want to have a conversation and say, not quite so fast. You see, the scriptures say that God is a God of vengeance in the sense that he redresses wrongs. That's for God to do. That's not for us to do. We're not to take up arms against people that disagree with us and that we disagree with. But understanding that God is a God that redresses wrongs, that secures justice for us. And if we think that we're over a God that redresses wrongs, maybe we are coming from a place of privilege ourselves. The end of verse 2 in Psalm 94 Rise up, O judge of the earth, and repay to the proud what they deserve. Let's turn to God. And by turning to God, we recognize for all of the sins of injustice, which is the focus here of Psalm 94, we recognize the sins of injustice and the source of health. Our God, the living Lord, is sovereign over systems. Numerous times the sermon series, I've quoted Psalm 9420. Here it is again in the context of the entire psalm. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Those that frame injustice by statute, that's systemic injustice. God recognized those things and is sovereign over them in a true and rich and deep and beautiful way. And I have seen this Lenten season at Liberty Collingswood, brothers and sisters bonding together, crying out to God in true and rich and deep ways regarding sins of racism and injustice in our country. And it's been profound for me to see. Let's keep turning to God and also complaining. God keeps it real. As we complain, we are able to name things that we should name and complain to God. Verse 3, O Lord, how long shall the, shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob does not perceive. The alternative about complaining to God Maybe we're just despairing. Maybe we're in denial. But even if we feel deep outrage on occasion, we are able to complain to God about these things. Thank you so much, those of you who joined us last Saturday for a workshop about cultural proficiency and racial reconciliation. There, and we're going to... I forgot to give the announcements. I'll give the announcements after the sermon. Stay tuned for them. They're going to be great. We're winging it here on Sunday morning at Liberty Collingswood 
right now. But the workshop on cultural proficiency and racial reconciliation was so important. We learned tools to be able to listen to each other in uncomfortable spaces, give some space, and give some empathy to other people. And I tell you, as our church grows in these ways, you have permission to complain. Before each other and before God, we have permission to complain. Let's complain together to God, but let's not stay there in our complaint. Let's ask God. So there's a step of complaining, but then we move forward and also we ask. Boldly, sue God for it, as Steve Huber said at the Network Sunday earlier this year. Verse 9, he who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Or verse 14. For the Lord will not forsake his people. We have, he will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. He who rises up for me against the wicked, who stands up for me against evildoers. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. If you're a skeptic of spiritual realities, if you're a skeptic of Christianity, whether you're watching on YouTube, our website, or on Facebook Live, maybe complaining to God and asking boldly for God's help in a broken world is a step towards Jesus that you can take even here this morning. And we also know that we need to trust in God. That's the call. So we can move in lament from turning to God, complaining, asking boldly, and trusting in God. That's the final step that brings us back to lament. It's a virtuous cycle. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Trust is the telos of lament. A great old ancient Greek word telos means the culminating through line where it's all going. As we lament the brokenness of our world, we would seek to take steps to trusting in God and say at the end of the day, God, you have got this. I am trusting in you for change. And if you've been joining us on this journey throughout Lent, maybe that trusting step is you trusting in Jesus. Jesus is the one, that rock of refuge in the language of verse 22. That's where the trust comes in this psalm. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. The telos of all of the scriptures, that culminating climax, is Jesus crucified and resurrected, where the rock of our refuge is also the stone that is shattered. The rock that died on the cross, Jesus, paying the penalty for our sins and rising again and conquering of them, so that any and all, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, can come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and find new life in him by grace and grace alone, taking that step of trust. Maybe for others of you, taking that step of trust is simply saying, God, I offer this broken world to you. Please take it. So where are you on this journey? Do you need to take steps of turning to God? Do you need to take steps of complaining? Do you need to take steps of asking? Do you need to take steps of trusting as we linger in lament? And let's talk also about where lament leads. The Dovells. Philly group, early 1960s, you can't sit down. We shouldn't sit down. We should stand up as we've been hearing about all of the issues related to racism and systemic injustice in our country. 
What are steps that you can take? What is your step of consecration that you might take on Monday, Thursday? And also I'm going to announce in a little while we're starting a text campaign after Lent where you can learn a little bit more and try to grow a little bit more in conversation with other brothers and sisters here at Liberty Collingswood. Here are some suggestions for you, and then we'll wrap up. We can take steps where lament leads us with our mind and our feet, with our mouth and with our wallet, with our mind. Keep reading. Keep listening. Keep conversing. Keep pressing ahead. I don't think I would have got the book and started reading The Yellow House if it were not for this Lenten series at Liberty Church Collingswood. Another way in my mind and spirit that I'm changing. Before this sermon series, I would pray on occasion for justice in our country when a tragedy would come. When the headlines would be filled, that's when I'd pray about it. I still do it that way, but I also pray more broadly, including the past couple of weeks. There have been tragedies, but on other days when it's, okay, nothing's filling the headlines, but I'm going to keep praying, God, would you bring justice to our world? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How can you keep taking steps with your mind and also keep taking steps, literally, with your feet, going places and showing up? John Travis, one of the original Liberty Collingswood launch team members, wrote in to email the post-Sunday blues or preaching post-mortem, suggesting to us that we should show up wherever we are. If you have kids, PTAs, parochial schools, parent boards, talk about these things. Use your voice and your feet to be present in schools. Showing up is so important if you're politically aligned. Maybe, God forbid, another tragedy occurs and you show up for a vigil or for a protest, engaging different organizations. It is one thing to show up online with social media, and I have feelings back and forth about that sort of virtue signaling. I guess it's okay to a point, but showing up at one gathering, to me, means a thousand things that you can post on your Twitter feed or on Facebook. We can also show up with our mouths. How can you use your voice in ways for justice? Don't undervalue, whether you're a majority person or a minority person, the value of your voice. Here's an example internal to Liberty Collingswood. At some point in this past year of racial reckoning, there was another racially charged act of violence that happened, and I reached out to a person over email who was of the same ethnicity of the person that was the victim of the violence in the headlines, and I said something like this, hey, I don't presume to know whether or not you have been personally affected by seeing the news reports about what happened in this, dis in the, in this different part of the country, but if you were, please know that we love you and that we are with you. We're in your corner. We love you and we are with you. I was using my voice in that circumstance. That person emailed back the same day and said, thank you so much for sending that email. And then that same person emailed back a couple days later to thank me again and say, that was really important. I felt like I wasn't alone in suffering through what I was feeling in those spaces and in those moments. Use your voice. So use your mind, use your feet, use your mouth, use your wallet. Giving money to things is a blunt instrument, I realize, but then again, so is systemic injustice. How can you be generous with your wallet? Giving to organizations that engage. There are some great organizations, if you think about the mass incarceration problem, prison ministries that are doing great work in that field. There's another organization that was forwarded to me that pays down medical debt of people that are in deep medical debt. These 
standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branch sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne that day and decrease the disparity between that day and this one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.